It is Soundcheck Flicks. My name is Tim Piles. I got Graham Stevens over there. Excited to be back and turn you guys on to another great movie if you haven't seen Goodfellas, which, by the way, gentlemen, I had not seen until yesterday. Yes, duly noted. Make a note of it. You can bring it up in a second, Scott. Okay. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> I, I, now, on the other hand, I've seen uh, Scarface many, many times. But another for whatever great reason, there are some films in my in our history that I've not seen. So there you go. I saw Goodfellas. Scott, what's, Lucy's for Coach. What's going on? How are you? How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? Thanks for the delicious food. Was that rigatoni? Yeah, Brielle's famous baked rigatoni. I love it. Is that available in stores? No. Oh, uh, maybe. <laughs> Should be. It was delicious. Delicious cornbread or cornbread, garlic bread. What the hell am I thinking? Uh, and, and an espresso. You, you went all out. I, I would say by far, Scott, you have uh, treated us the best. As our guest, usually we feel like we need to do this for you because you're taking time out of your day to hang out with us. But this is amazing. You moved from New Jersey to join Lucy's Fur Coat or how well, did you get from New Jersey to San Diego? So long story, which I won't get into, but I moved out. That's the Lufthansa heist. <laughs> <laughs> I moved out in the early 90s uh, with a few friends of mine. Um because one of our friends, Brian from No Knife, um, he was out here. A bunch of us kind of migrated out here. Okay. And um, just through some band connections, um, we doing shows, um, mix PB and the old Casbah and stuff like that. Sure. I met Tony and Rob and uh, Aaron Mancini was actually our neighbor in Pacific Beach. So that kind of started the LFC No Knife connection. Nice, nice. Yeah. And then I, uh, I went back for a year. Tony called me up after Scoots left. So I flew out January 95. And then I've been the with them since. History, yeah. And the rest is history. And every eight years we get a reunion show yeah, or a just, series of reunion shows. We just did uh, three, four. Yeah. Yeah, if you count Vinyl Junkies. Yeah, Vinyl Junkies, yeah. Uh, Adams Avenue. And the two Casbah oh, ones. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited. Um, I did miss the night with Dig. But Scott Hackwith uh, has a new band that's going to play here soon. Okay. Uh, and they're called Steve, or more like Steve. Steve. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I think that's how you have to say it. But uh, Lucy's Fur Coat, uh, any more shows coming up? Looking like maybe for the anniversary? Uh, the, I got to plead the, the fifth bottom? on that. All right, well. Uh, I hear things, though. I hear things. You've heard things. I hear things. I hear things. Well, uh, 1990s, uh, Martin Scorsese's film, Goodfellas, once known as Wise Guys, briefly. Uh, The book was called Wise Guys, right? By Nicholas Pileggi. It is based on a true story, and it is, what, one of the best gangster films of the modern era, or uh, if not ever? It's up, I would say, in the top three. 100%. Yeah. What are your other? Donnie Brasco. Donnie Brasco. And uh, I mean, The Godfather. I like The Godfather. Now, uh, did you encounter any people like this in your youth in New Jersey? Well, I, we grew up on the Jersey Shore, so we were kind of sandwiched in between New York and Philly. Um, I'm not going to say there wasn't. <laughs> right, right. But um, the closer you got to North Jersey, Philly, New York, um, definitely there was a mafia presence. And... Um, I mean, on the, you would hear it on the news as a kid all the time. Sure. You know, just, you know, union takeovers and a guy found in a trunk <laughs> and all their, like, cool nicknames, like, you know, Johnny Meatballs or whatever. Yeah. Jimmy the Wop. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy the Wop. <laughs> uh, it, is, uh, it is such an interesting 
part of uh, American culture and, and Italian culture and truly phenomenal film. I would have to say uh, the music is such a massive part of this movie uh, outside of uh, other films. I don't know. They, they utilize the soundtrack to uh, another level. You said there's over 40 songs featured. Yeah. It's stunning. Uh, Scorsese, what's beautiful about this is I would argue this is, is, is almost a musical. I mean, it <laughs> really is. That. Yeah, and I'll go into that. Like in the shooting script, uh, you would see these scenes where, you know, they've gotten the words written there that he wants them to say. And then right there in the corner in pencil, he's got a name of a song written down. Or like, you know, the Jimmy scene at the bar where he decides he's going to whack the Lufthansa crew. The cream song, yeah. Yeah, if you look over to the side, right there in Scorsese's handwriting in pencil, it says Sunshine of Your Love from Cream. And I'm like, he's, I mean, he had these exact songs in these exact places years before he ever filmed it. It was just all in his head. And that riff is sinister from Sunshine of Your Love. It is. And you know Jimmy Conway's yeah. About to kill his crew. Yeah. And he never says a word. He yeah. takes a drag on the cigarette. He stares towards the camera. And you hear that opening riff of Sunshine Your Love. And it is ominous. Because you know he's getting ready to kill his whole yeah. crew. And it's fantastic. And he has several moments like that in the movie with those songs. Um, the beatdown scene. The, the Copacabana scene you have. Yeah. You know, and then he kissed me. Um Jesus, what a scene, you know? I mean, <laughs> that scene has been ripped off so many times by so many other directors. I mean, Swingers just did it five years after it. You yeah. know, they were so in love with it. And it's great, you know. And it really- was one of the longest flowing scenes yep. when uh, they were walking through the kitchen of the Copa yeah. Cabana. And that's all because the Copa Cabana, they wouldn't let him use the front door for the scene. And Scorsese's like, well, let's just do it this way. This illustrates Henry's rise as he's coming through this kitchen, all these people are acknowledging him. And then when he gets out to the floor, they're bringing out a table for him and they're everybody's in the front row. Yeah. He's right in the front row. It's like, he's a 21 year old kid and he's peaked in life. Like that scene is set so great though, by that song. And that also shows like the attraction and the allure of, you know, a a lot of kids that were growing up, Italian kids that were growing up and seeing that, that culture out on their streets yeah. it was attractive yeah it's the same with karen hill yep. like she was like you know even in the wedding scene she was like drunk yeah. meeting so many people seeing all the money they were handing them yeah. like she she hadn't lived that life uh it's just yeah there's just those moments where those songs set those scenes i mean come on layla i mean uh rags to riches at the beginning with tony bennett like yeah. but d- definitely the layla one the piano solo that it's impossible to hear that song ever again and not think of the whacking scene from Goodfellas. <laughs> I mean, and when he's here's what's crazy when Scorsese's filming all of those death scenes, he's playing that song on the set. I mean, that's very music video of him. Like that's that's another argument for the musical. Like he wanted that door swung open to the freezer truck where Carbone is at just that moment in the song. Right. And he wanted Frenchie to tumble out of the garbage truck just at that moment in the song. Like, and I love how Frankie Carbone's hair is still exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> he's got an Instagram channel too. He's, Does he? Yeah, he's like cooks. He's like, oh, a quesadilla. <laughs> you know, I, funny enough, as much as I love The Simpsons, I do have to side with him a little bit when he sued The Simpsons for that character on there. Right. That right. hangs out with Fat Tony. Because <laughs> it really is him. I mean, they're clearly doing him. I think they are. So that's my, why. I, my favorite, like, music scene is you know i'd mentioned before is atlantis uh from donovan mm-hmm. when 
they they you know kill billy bats yeah. in henry's bar that is just that the acoustic lead up to him getting whacked and when they go into atlantis like that's another just ominous to heavy yeah it's so great <laughs> and it's you know what's really funny there it kind of comes full circle is that guy billy bats is played by frank vincent right and in the set so it, he's a uh, he's a musician in the '60s. He's a pretty accomplished guy. He played with Paul Anka and some other guys. And in like the '70s or so, he brings in a young guitarist to play for him by the name of Joe Pesci. <laughs> Joe Pesci and him start playing together in a band 10, 20 years before Goodfellas, and then they end up becoming a comedy team for like five years in the '70s. Frank Vincent and Joe Pesci are a team. Huh. And then 15 years later, here they are in Goodfellas. And he whacks him. He whacks his partner from back in the day. Like, <laughs> That's great. Yeah, the, they come full circle right there. But then Frank Vincent, man, did he spin that into a bunch of gangster roles. Oh, I mean, yeah. Sopranos, he's fantastic. They're all, and Michael Imperioli, he they, showed up yeah. in Sopranos. Yeah, I was wondering Spider. how many of those guys 27 from a, people from Goodfellas are, are in, in the Sopranos. Okay, thank you for that. <laughs> When they, that question was going to happen, yep. I guess. <laughs> when they introduce a lot of the guys in the uh, the bamboo lounge, when they're kind of panning, you mm -hmm. know, to get the papers, get the papers guy, who's yeah. based off a guy called um, Jimmy Echoes, Johnny Echoes Camposano. <laughs> it's a real life guy. <laughs> well, the whole story is based on real life story, hey, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's yeah. still in witness protection program. Oh, right? he's dead. He's dead. When did he die? He died like a decade ago. Uh, yeah. But he had came out of it, you know, once the movie popped and, you know. He was on Howard Stern. And yeah. He, he needed, a, he he needed, needed a that cookbook, fame. A cookbook. Yeah. <laughs> well, that Steve Martin movie, My Blue Heaven, was loosely based on him, where the gangster was relocated to a suburban that's town. That's a great and, movie. Yeah. And that's loosely based on Henry Hill, too. When he goes huh. shopping, it's like he's shopping in like Rancho Bernardo, but he's got like a shark skin suit. He's like, hey, where's the pineapple? <laughs> Nice melons. <laughs> the sound. Let's stay on the soundtrack for here for a minute. Um, ending with my way. I mean, how great was that? Suspicious. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he just. We get the ending. He's picking up his newspaper. He's going back into his prison house and and just bam right into my way. And and Sin Sinatra didn't want to let him use his version. And this is just one of those moments where the turndown actually makes it better. But like it, you said, you know, it ended in eighty. Yeah. So and that, that was, was perfect. Around then, yeah. yeah. So it's great how we have this arc of, you know, Italian music and doo-wop from the 50s through the classic rock stuff. And then, boom, there we end in 80 with that one, you know? And then the paranoid uh, Harry Nilsson scene where he's <laughs> bugged out by the helicopter. He's all coked out of his head. And the Rolling Stones stuff. Which is my friend Jesse's favorite scene, by the way. <laughs> yeah. There are flashbacks sometimes when you watch stuff like that of moments in your own life, I think. Yeah, maybe absolutely. Mine, maybe. When she's just playing with that mound of powder. Oh, <laughs> dude. I'll tell you what the flashback was for me. It's when Lorraine Bracco goes to Janice Rossi's house and starts hitting all the all buttons. buttons. <laughs> and she's got her kids with her. When I was a little kid, my mom took me and my brother and confronted my dad with another woman. That, and so that, oh, yeah. <laughs> so when I see that scene, I see those two little kids and I'm like, oh, holy shit. That was me when I was a little kid. Like, you know, it's crazy. The scene, this, there's just so much real life in those scenes. Like. And you, that you can pull from your own lives, like. Well, that's what I like about Scorsese. He's like I, I'm more of like a, I guess a real life movie person. Like, I don't like so much get into like sci-fi or fantasy. You're not a Marvel guy. Not like I never grew up that way. I kind of like 
I just always like a little more of a grittier movie. Like sure. I always kind of like that. Like I love Jaws. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? Yeah, it's fantastic. I saw that in the theater. <laughs> scared the hell out of me. It's one of the best thrillers ever. It's a it's a supernatural thriller. <laughs> well, that shark is sort of possessed. I, I think mean, this, I think that's the thing. It's got a demon inside of it. We just did the Exorcist, so we're talking a little bit about which is super gritty. Yeah, exactly. That's filmmaking of that time, and that was like my first three driving experiences was the Exorcist, Jaws, and Star Wars: New Hope. <laughs> that's pretty great. Like yeah. that's pretty agreed, great first agreed. three driving experiences. But this one, my... did you see this in the theaters when it came out, or? Which one? Goodfellas. Goodfellas. No, I saw it in, uh, I had moved out here, and I remember seeing it for the first time in Mission Beach. Like, Somebody's I had to think back to where, like, I, right, I right. first saw it. And when we, uh, me and my friend Brad were living in Mission Beach, we watched it. Did you rent it from uh, Blockbuster? I think so. I don't know. <laughs> Returned it late. <laughs> Grand Isn't that Avenue. what you did back then, <laughs> right? You didn't rewind it. Yeah. Be kind. Rewind. <laughs> So, and what, what did you think when you, was it like, uh, did you know that it was like going to be one of your favorite movies the first time you saw it? No, it's yeah. definitely like evolved. It's okay. one, it's one of those, like Jaws. It's like one of those, like I can always watch One Flew Over to Cuckoo's Nest. I can always watch Jaws. I can always watch, I can always watch Usual Suspects, even though I know the ending now. <laughs> it's still just, it's just it's those great. characters. Yeah. It moves. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen Sleepaway Camp? <laughs> That's going to become an ongoing theme here. Right. Right. It's a movie. No, I know. It's a movie it's you a, should check it's out. It's a Jersey at some point. movie. You should know this. Yeah, it's all yeah. a bunch of Jersey kids. Yeah, yeah I'm going to check it out. It's from the 80s. Okay. Like 80, 80. 82 or 82, so. Yeah. It's, it's pretty great. But Goodfellas, what a film. Yeah. Lots of blood, lots of violence. Lots yeah. of violence. And they, that, that's the dark side. That's the flip side of the attraction and the sure. allure of the mafia is the dark side of it. Like the corruption, the extortion, the hijacking, the theft, the, yeah. the murder. Like Think about it, that young Henry Hill sitting there and happened to live right across the street from like where those guys are all hanging out. And, you and that, see was, that. that was Paul Vario, the Paul Vario's, you know, the real um, Paul the, Cicero in the movie. Paul but, Sorvino uh, character. Yeah, but it was the Paul Vario crew which was under the Lucchese umbrella, the crime family, which was part of the five families. Um, that's what he saw, because yeah. his mom was Sicilian, his dad was Irish, so it was like a very, like, you know, seven kids, working class, like just making Couldn't be a, a made man because he was not full. Same with Jimmy the Gent, yeah. yep. who was, I think, an orphan, right? Uh, that I don't know. Yeah, he got passed around a couple of times. Okay. But that opportunity, like just looking across the street and seeing, you know, I don't know, it must have been, you know, mind blowing experience. And then you get into that world and then pretty quickly discover then a lot of things. Then you're you walking through the back door of the Copacabana. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. The first half of the film, we see a lot of the glory of being in that, you know, the all the riches and the privilege and all that that it brings. It's more towards the middle where the Billy Bats and the spider incidents occur. And that's where it, it clicks over in the second half is just the fall. And like you were saying, um, the real life characters that these guys are based off of, yeah. um, Jimmy the Gent Burke, um, Tommy D. Simone, they were like even worse than portrayed in the movies. That is so crazy. They were that animals. Tommy was worse. 
Like psychopathic animals. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Henry Hill said that uh, Joe Pesci's performance was like 95% on. Other than him being 5'4 and the real Tommy being 6'4. Right, right. <laughs> Other than that, he's like, he was just that menacing. And imagine someone that menacing and irrational in a 6'4 body. Like, and he wasn't a skinny 6'4. He was a beefy 6'4. And Jimmy the Gent was a big guy too. Apparently, he was a big guy. He was bigger Paul than Mario was a big yeah, guy. Yeah, all of them crew. were actually bigger than the guys who played him, which is crazy to think of. <laughs> now the real Tommy was very violent and irrational. Tommy D. Simone. Yeah, and he did disappear when he was like 28. Yeah. Now in the movie, they make it seem that it was retaliation for the bats thing. Right. Yeah, that wasn't synced up. Like, yeah, but in real life, they just don't know. Nobody truly knows what happened to him. He just disappeared. But I'm okay with him taking that artistic liberty because it's like, well, he did disappear, and he, he did whack a made man, which you can't do. Who was from another family. Yeah. Again. But recently, I heard that Billy Bats wasn't made. Oh. This is some history that's come up. Yeah. Why, you know some people? How do you know this? <laughs> <laughs> I got Uncle Louie, he told me. <laughs> no, there's so much like content like online on YouTube. Like there's a, over the, it seems like right as the pandemic, like a lot more people were starting all these like mafia mob podcasts and uh, just like shows. And it's just like, I mean, a lot of it's rehashed information, but it's definitely informative. Sure, sure. I like to actually fall asleep to it. It's like, you, <laughs> depending on the narrator, it's like sometimes it's soothing. Just, yeah, soothing. To hear about somebody yeah. getting capped. Yeah. <laughs> well, the studio was concerned as far as the violence in the film. They were worried that, you know, they did some test audiences and it didn't do good. Like, especially, it, and it was a lot of the studio, you know, heads and people that work for the studio and stuff that they did these screenings for. But they said it was like, one of the worst screen films they'd had. And basically they just had to set back and go, look, we just got to roll with Scorsese here and just trust that he knows what he's doing. And he put it out and the public liked it. I mean, 25 million budget, 47 million gross. You're hit. I mean, that's not bad. Six Oscar nominations. It only won one. What the hell? Yeah. Supporting, right? And of course that should have won. But I mean, the screenplay, are you kidding me? Like, now, this was the year Dances with Wolves did really well. Right. Um, and Kevin Costner was and he's, yeah, on and it fire. Yeah, and it won a years. bunch. And, uh, you know, I think he won director instead of Scorsese, which yeah. is, you know, it is what it is. I, I do like that movie. Uh, my bigger bone to pick at that Oscars is that Dick Tracy got seven Oscar nominations. <laughs> Godfather 3 got seven Oscar nominations, and that's a pile of crap. Yeah. And Goodfellas gets six. And only one win for Pesci? Get out of here, man. Like, this, this is definitely one of those where when you look back on the Oscars, you're like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> like, Dance with Wolves is fine, but the, come on, man. What are you doing? One Oscar. Who is Dick Tracy? Warren Beatty? Yeah. yeah. And Madonna. Oh, yeah. yeah. See, they were like power and, couple. And Pacino then. had kind of been offered the role of, of Jimmy the Gent, uh, Jimmy Conway. And had kind of said no to it and did Dick Tracy instead. And you're like, really, bro? Like, yeah. you could have been Jimmy Conway, man. And De Niro knocked it out of the park, obviously. Oh, yeah. He's great in those roles, though. <sighs> He's so good. And he loves Scorsese. They have a genuine love for each other. Yeah, I mean, those guys, they've like, been working I together for Ray decades. Oh, that's so great. Which was Pesci and De Niro again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bring it over here. It's like a piece of charcoal. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ray Liotta. 
Jesus Christ. Um, I think it's one of the greatest performances in the history of cinema. I, I, I'll, fr- I'll make that statement straight out. I, it's one of my five favorite ever by anyone. Like, I think Ray Liotta is just on fire from and the beginning. And they initially didn't want him either. No, no. They, they, they went around. Sean Penn. I mean, I think I heard Tom Cruise was even maybe William Dude, Peterson. He's just that like, guy, man. He plays that character Leo, so well. Liotta's just got that, man. The, kid, the, kids, call, the kids call it the Kavorka today. Or not the Kavorka, the Riz. Like, you know, it's the old school Kavorka. But nowadays, it's the Riz. Like, he's got that. Like, he just, every outfit he's got on, he's just dope as fuck. I mean, he just oh, looks yeah. great in a suit. or And a, when he's walking across the street from the neighbor's house after he just pistol whipped them yeah. in the leather. He looks great. Oh, he, even though he's got like a bloody gun, his hair's messed up. <laughs> uh, I love that scene. Oh, yeah. I mean, that guy's like, what you got, fucko? <laughs> Pow! Uh, it's don't like, shoot. Yeah, don't shoot me. He hits him like a dozen times with the butt of that gun. It is so violent. And I honestly, I think that's the moment where I fell in love with his character. I'm Because he was defending his woman over this punk. I mean. And that's where it changed for Karen, too. Yeah, she was attracted to it. She's like, I wasn't sure before, but now that yeah. I see my man beat somebody, let's get in bed. Like, <laughs> Oh, it was so good. Yeah, he, uh, what was the film? Wild Thing, I think he plays uh just that character, Ray Liotta. It's, uh, oh, him and yeah. Melanie Griffith. Yeah, 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 that's where he'd gotten noticed. Yeah, that's another and, uh, good one. That's a pretty crazy character, too. But he's just amazing in this one. I, I just, he didn't even get nominated. That's the, that's the shit end of it for me. It's like, it isn't that he didn't win. You didn't even nominate him. When he's laughing, when uh, he's Pesci's laughing. telling the... The story, you think oh, I'm yeah. funny? You fun? I'm funny? I'm a so, fun, like a clown? Funny? <laughs> so that's based off a real thing that Joe Pesci overheard at a club in Chicago, apparently. When he was young. And he, yeah, he brought that in and he said, you got to put this scene in. He was on the shit end of that one. He was the guy getting the business from a mob guy that he said oh, that okay. to. Yeah, I think you're a funny guy or whatever. And then the mob guy did that to him. Oh, you think I'm funny? What am I, clown? Do I amuse you? <laughs> no, no, it's just, but, you know, the way you tell the story. Leota is just the, the throwback laugh on his face. That he, does it also, he does it also in the scene with Maury where Robert De Niro, he's like, His wig pops off. Yeah. When he's choking it with a telephone cord, his wig flies off. And yeah, uh, Ray Leota starts doing that laugh in that scene too. And it's. It's just amazing. He's just so incredible in the movie. Even Rest at the end peace. when he's coming apart and he's sweating and he's staring up at the helicopter and all that. Like, there's just this arc in his character and his performance. It's just unreal how amazing he is in that movie. I don't. I still don't think he gets enough credit for how amazing he is. No. And it's sad that we lost him last year. You yeah. know. Um, it Did was you not- see Saints of New York? Uh, Saints of Newark? No, I haven't. Is That's that like one of his last ones. Or? So that was his last one. That's about. Um, it's the movie that is, you know, before The Sopranos. It's Tony Soprano oh, as a little... Oh, yeah, yeah, I did see little, that, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it was on HBO. Well, it, I was, was think, it was okay. It was all right. I was thinking more of his last one being Cocaine Bear from earlier this year. <laughs> <laughs> see, I haven't seen that yet. He's good. He's yeah. good. It's one of his last performances. You, you can tell he looks a little sickly in the film. Is it but, a family movie? <laughs> yeah, Cocaine Bear. It's a true story. Based okay. on a true story, actually. If you're okay with your kid uh, hearing other kids swear and being face down, a bear being face down in a pile of cocaine and, <laughs> yeah. and killing people while hopped up. Yeah, I'm yeah, watch I mean, that tonight. I think it's on Max. It's on Peacock. Or Peacock. That's oh, terrific. Yeah. I love it. 
cocaine bear. I, I think it's how fantastic. But just getting to see Ray Liotta in that movie again, you know, he was the drug dealer. He's the guy that whose drugs are thrown out of the plane. Right. So he comes searching for the drugs. So we get him towards the end of the movie. But it's just so happy to see Ray Liotta again. I mean, it's was just... Was he ever in a family then, film of any kind? Or was he always Operation just a... Operation Dumbo Drop. Was he? <laughs> yeah, Karina Karina with Whoopi Goldberg. Operation Dumbo Trap. I yeah. saw That's a on a flight right out there. here, actually. He did a couple, yeah. And then uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Copland. Yes. yes. Yeah, good one. Oh. Stallone was in that, right? Stallone yeah. is the lead. He's one of Stallone's best films ever, like, uh, Keitel. Yeah. But uh, Ray Liotta as Gary Figgis is fantastic in that movie, in Copland. That's Harvey Keitel's underrated. Oh, he's so great. Like bad so Lieutenant good. was great. He has a real child with Lorraine Bracco. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, one yeah. of the kids in those scenes is their child. Wow. Huh. Yeah. Ray Liotta was also the father in Blow, right? He's so good. Oh, my <laughs> yeah. God. And you know what? That was so great about that performance is he's playing such a kind father character. Yeah. He's not playing the angry Ray Liotta that we see so often or the guy with an edge. He's playing this real caring heart father that really cares about his son that's... He sees going That's through some nice role. Yeah, yeah, okay. I was curious. <laughs> yeah, he's terrific. He never played Santa Claus or anything, I guess. No. <laughs> no. But I don't think I'd want to see Ray Liotta no. play Santa Claus. He's too great. He's pretty badass. <laughs> yeah, I wish we had him still. You know, I always wondered how he didn't pop up in more really big films. I didn't always wonder why he wasn't the next Brad Pitt or something. Because so he had the cast, man. He had I, the I, looks, he had yeah. the abilities. I don't understand. Maybe it was his agent, but. Something happened there. I, I, he had a really good career, but I think it should have been could have better. been better. For yeah. sure. He's always definitely seemed to play drug dealer, gangster kind of character. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Apparently, I had a friend from high school that hooked up with him. Yeah, Ray Liotta <laughs> in Manhattan. Karen, <laughs> let's talk about Karen Lorraine Bracco. Yeah. I mean, she's the woman in this film. We get a few others that are fringe, but they're just basically decoration. You know, Debbie Mazar and Ileana Douglas and a few others. But the one we really spend time with is Lorraine Bracco. Yeah. And I think she's she got nominated, as she should have been. I mean, she's fantastic. She plays a powerful part. Yeah, she's terrific. And that's like, you see like kind of her demise, basically, alongside all the other characters. Yeah. Know? It's that attraction from the, the, the women that want to be with these guys, too. Yeah. Do you that's, think she would have gotten whacked if she went in and looked at those yes. beautiful dresses? Yes. That's what's so crazy is, you know, we get her and we have, you know, we see her go through the progression from the beginning where she's, she's into the violence and the money. We see her grow into that. And then we see her get sick of his catting around and she ends up on his chest with a gun to his face. You know, right. and, and, and then we eventually evolve to the other stuff. And then we get all the way to that scene near the end where Jimmy Burke's trying, or Jimmy Conway's trying to load. Yeah, he's trying to get her into that room. And she just knows. And God damn it, that scene is so powerful. She's walking <laughs> down the street and it's just so ominous. I don't even think there's any music going on in that scene. Now, there's some information that keeps coming up that Paul Cicero was sleeping with Karen. There was also a rumor that Tommy may have while Henry Hill was in jail. That yeah. may have happened too. And they always say like when Henry comes back and he's sitting with Jimmy Conway and Paul Cicero's there, he's saying, "Let I know how to talk to Karen. Yeah. I know the how the yeah. woman likes I know to just how to talk to her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a link. Because they say they say you can um you can't sleep with a, you know, made man's wife but you know henry wasn't made so yeah. paul cicero is the boss so he could you know do what he wants sleep with anyone 
<laughs> yeah, he didn't have to move for anybody. Right. <laughs> he barely did, yeah. Paul Servino. Let's talk about Paul Servino, man. How great is he? He's another one that's been in so many movies. Yeah, and he was he was really unsure going into the movie. He was trying to get out of it. Huh. He couldn't find his character. He couldn't figure out what he was supposed to do with Pauly. And he was actually looking for ways to duck out of the production going into it. And then he kind of just found it once he got on the set. He said, you know, we, sh we did a scene or we did a reading or something like that. And it just kind of snapped. And he found the character. And thankfully for us, he found it because... Fuck, he's terrific. He's oh, he's great, so great. Because he's he's just so menacing without saying anything for the he's first so, half of the he's film. He's so boss like. Yeah, like there's a couple like different boss. Like if I had to work for like a a mafia boss, like there's certain bosses that were like like behind the scenes. Yeah, they, they were like you know killers. They could like yeah contract killing whatever. Yeah. But certain bosses were, they just, like a Carlo Gambino, like, he was, like, so low-key. But then, like, you got, like, a guy like John Gotti who just comes off as, like, a buffoon. Yeah. <laughs> well, there is that story that John Gotti may have been the one that killed Tommy. Yeah, absolutely. That I heard that. He had, yeah, that he had messed around with an associate's sister or something or, I don't know, done her wrong or something. And it was the rumor that Gotti killed Tommy himself. Wow. Which is pretty crazy. I like Angelo Bruno, too, from Philly. He was a cool mob boss. I don't know if he was cool. What about Stax? Johnny Stax, Samuel <laughs> Jackson. <laughs> That's among the first performances on big Love screen him, for right. him. Yeah. That was sad to see him go out like that. But, yeah. man, that blood. Oof. That hits the bedspread and just... He should make that coffee he, to go. <laughs> <laughs> he says to Carbone. Yeah, he's walking out with the mocha pot. <laughs> Because he fell asleep in the ride. I mean... Yeah, he got high, went to yep. his girl's house, and he was supposed to dispose they, of the van. Yeah, they found it the next day. There is a bit of Pulp Fiction in this, too. You know, this is four years before Pulp Fiction. But there is a bit of that jump around, because at the very mm -hmm. beginning, we've got the middle of the movie. We've got the whacking of Billy Bats, because we're starting off with the noise in the trunk. Yep. They and, pull over. And they're at Scorsese's mom's house. Yeah. Eating dinner. Yeah. She, she shows up a lot in this Can I film. keep this knife? The hoof. Hoof. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that part always made me laugh when De Niro goes, the hoof. And then she brings out her painting. That's actually probably one of my favorite scenes. Yeah. Look, one dog goes one way, the other one dog goes, and this guy's saying, what do you want from me? <laughs> I love that you see that painting on t-shirts now, too. Because like, that's how you know a real fan of Goodfellas. They got the t-shirt with that painting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then just, you know, they... And the, the stabbing thing there at the beginning, they stabbed him seven times or whatever. So in reality, I guess it was more like 30-something, the real Billy Bats murder. They yeah. said he stabbed him like 30-something times. Now, the studio and the, and the ratings board, they were worried because they did it seven times. And that's what they left in there, but they threw a fit about that. So they were like, damn. And so you see De Niro pop a couple bullets in him, too. That didn't happen, I guess. I guess it was all done with... So nice. back then, there was a limit on the amount of stabbing? <laughs> the MPAA has been notoriously crazy over the years, the ratings board and all that. I mean, it's silly I mean, what I they mean, did Michael Myers, like, in the first one? Did he? We don't actually see him do anybody till an hour into the movie, to be real honest. In Halloween with Michael Myers, there's, yeah. there's a lot of low-key stuff, and he strangles the, you know, PJ Souls. He strangles two of them, actually. So there's not a lot of knife no action in that oh, first okay. one. Yeah. No stabbing. We do stab, get 300, stab, stab, stab. 321 fucks in this, though. <laughs> 321 fucks. 321. At the time, it was the record for the most profanity in a film.
<laughs> um, and here's what's here's what's really gonna make you laugh. Pesci says half of them. <laughs> He'll use like the word fuck like six times in just like one sentence. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Cock sucking motherfucker. <laughs> you fucking mutt. Oh, I just love him. He's so great. I, I mean, feel he, like he's like that. He didn't scare. I don't think I could hang out with Pesci. I don't know. I'd be worried he's gonna go. I off. heard he's low key though. <laughs> Is he? All right. Yeah. Yeah, I heard he's low key. Jim Brewer does a pretty good impression of him though. <laughs> what was and his how, goat character? Oh, gee, oh yeah, the Goat Man or something. <laughs> how how and how crazy was Tommy's whacking scene? When Tommy yeah. gets whacked, I mean, I think, oh, yeah. I think with the first time you see the movie, I think that one really hits you because as psychotic as that character is, that's our crew. I mean, we're following those guys, and they're bad dudes. Although we never see Henry Hill shoot anybody, I don't think we see Henry kill anybody throughout the course of the movie. We see Jimmy and you know Tommy. We see him beat the hell out of a guy with a gun, but I don't think we ever see Henry kill anybody. And later, later on, like in interviews, Henry Hill said he, he like didn't kill a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. A lot. <laughs> I'm sure he had to do it here One. and there, but, <laughs> Jesus. but Tommy, yeah. I mean, you know, he was just a bloodthirsty dude, like, and Pesci nailed it. So who, uh, who put the hit out on, on Tommy then? Would that have been I think Pacino's that character? Cicero. Well, well, maybe Paulie had to do it because yeah. maybe the other crime family that Billy Batts was from came to him and said, look, we absolutely know it was your guy. And if you don't, it's going to be a war. Right. And that's right, basically right. what they said. And Paulie's not an idiot. Yeah. You know, Paulie, there's a moment where Paulie, you know, when the restauranter comes to, you know, Paulie and says, what am I going to do with this guy after he beats up the, you know, the restaurant owner? Well, that yeah. wouldn't be a bad idea. Oh, I didn't mean any disrespect. <laughs> what, what am I going to do with this? You know, Polly's all confused, like, what the what the hell, you know? But, so that would have been, what was that? What year would have been that, well, the that hit was, on Tommy? Well, that would have been more in the 70s sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy what took those guys down. Tommy, in real life. Yeah. We see the cinematic ending in this film, but in real life, Tommy gets whacked and we don't know how it happened. We could assume it was probably something along the lines of what we did see. But then we have Henry Hill and, and Jimmy Conway get caught up in a point shaving scandal at Boston College with basketball. And, and Jimmy's laying bets all over towns with the Lufthansa money. Yeah, Like exactly. a dumbass. And they actually both claim that they didn't know it was illegal to shave points. And I'm like, come <laughs> on, guys. Like, you got to this point in your criminal career and you didn't know that. Like, But that was actually what took him down at the end. And... And Henry Henry's testimony that took was down with a Boston lot of guys. Boston College, right? Yeah. Was, was that the Boston College yep, one? It was the Boston College point shaving, and Henry Hill was directly involved in that. There's a good 30 for 30 on that. Yeah, they say like a few yeah. dozen people went to prison because of Henry Hill, specifically. <laughs> like, But it's crazy that, you know, you would see how they'd have these rings and these, you know, burglary and theft and all these other rings and stealing from the airports, and they had all that shit wired in, and then they get caught on some dumb gambling shit. It was amazing, like what they got away with for so long. Yeah, it's like like when they, when like Charles, uh, Lucky Luciano finally like whacked the two, you know, rival bosses in the Castellamari wars, and formed the the, you know, the five families. They became this like you know five family unit, and they were paying off judges, paying off police. They, I mean, they had everyone in their pot. They got a, away with murder. Sure, sure. 
it, it's, it's like it's ridiculous and it really affected you know you don't think it affects us but it does affect us like when trucks are getting hijacked and we're paying more for you know, yeah Still it, they had their tentacles in everything there was mafia out here too yeah in san diego they were kind of on the under the um la i think they used family. to hang out at a place called the old trieste and all the booths <laughs> faced the door <laughs> <laughs> it was uh they, yeah they were kind of associated with frank bompancero yeah from la there's a there was an article in the reader out of, i don't know when it came out but yeah i remember all this yeah, yeah. where are they now where are all the, how do you think the mafia operates nowadays same thing i think low-key i think a lot of like fraud like business fraud credit card fraud stuff like that yeah they definitely don't have the same avenues they used to because you could wash all your money through laundries and video arcades and stuff like that and it's not as easy to do that stuff now like i mean probably still drugs and narcotics even though the big thing was like oh we don't deal in drugs but right right but i think they're still stealing semis (laughs) maybe a little human trafficking maybe sadly (laughs) i know this is almost an impossible ask do you have a favorite scene in the film i mean that's a tall order because there are so many iconic great scenes in this film i mean for for a like light-hearted like comic thing because there's a lot of comedy in this sure. film if you, if you just yeah it's a stereotypical if, mafia character well, you know it's all there yeah but morty's wig coming off and stuff like that some yeah. of that stuff is funny i love the the pan scene like when you get introduced to the characters like you in know, the bamboo Jimmy lounge two times yeah. and like those michael franzese who's actually has an awesome youtube channel where he explores kind of mafia stuff but he's also like he walked away from it he's a motivational speaker now um but anyway um (laughs) (laughs) that's i love that scene it's just the introduction of all the the different characters i i love the scene the um the art scene of martin scorsese's mom that we were talking about i just i don't know there's something about that that yeah me (laughs) and they were gonna cut that scene i mean that's (laughs) terrible I, i that's so sad because i think a lot of us who love that movie that scene is kind of what it brings some humanity to these guys. Yeah, like they, they came like Tommy as much a monster as he is. He came from this really sweet, awesome little woman. Sure. Like, that's was, what's always weird about the mafia, right? The family, how important the family is, you know? That, yeah, that whole thing. I, my favorite scene has to be the the shine box scene. Obviously, just I've never <laughs> felt so. The Pesci just makes me uncomfortable. Like, you you, insult, you <laughs> insulted him a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit. That scene and and then probably like one of my favorite scenes is when he comes back and because I love the song Atlantis from Donovan. Uh Like I love that song. So that like over top of that scene is just doing Jimmy and uh, Tommy just go to work on Billy. Yeah, that's that between that song and that scene. It's I think a pretty heavy, you know, and even then Henry Hill runs for the door to lock it. And, yeah. sh- and close the curtains like he's not actually beating billy bats they are and in real life i guess billy bats and jimmy had some kind of business arrangement going on that uh billy bats had just severed in real life hmm. and i guess that's also what led to jimmy jumping in on it because yeah. he's like fuck this guy he just took a bunch of money from me so let's just that's why jimmy was down for whacking him 
But that, yeah, that scene's terrific. How yeah. many times have we so said good. whacking on the, on the podcast? <laughs> Not today? related to masturbation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like the scene that, that during the conjugal visit scene when he's in jail. Uh-huh. And the fir- as this shot is panning, the very first thing you see is some girl giving a dude a, guy a, a blow job. Yeah. <laughs> right there. It's like, oh, all right. Yeah, I guess Go they got set it. up in jail. Yeah. Oh, the prison scene, the cooking scene. He's like scene. shaving garlic. Yeah, yeah. With, the, with the razor blade. So melts Before immediately. It melts, yeah. Oh, yeah, when Leota comes in with a big bag of everything, and it's that whole scene is terrific. And they still operated in jail. Yeah. Like, yeah. they were still running all their operations from That's jail. Like today, <laughs> in some of our jails. and Yeah. Mainly now with the, uh, probably the Bloods and Crip, more gangsters of... Uh, of Southern California. Yeah. And they did cut some of the aspects out of it. I mean, I'm glad they fast forwarded through the prison stuff because that would have got a little monotonous. And yeah. apparently when Henry was young for three years, he went in the military. Uh, yeah, yeah. And he was getting in a lot of trouble and they just left all of that out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, And he came back home and joined up with the mafia and everything. But they left all that out of it. And yeah, I, I, that's good. I didn't need that for the story. Like, glad they left it out. I guess as far as like the Bloods and the Crips, it's kind of like the the mafia. It's like, kids growing up in whatever their environment and they yeah. th- what they see is and they see those dudes money. with the cars and the money yeah and it's the same they thing they want to emulate know? that yep. but there's always that ending that's what I never understand about Scarface you know being a Gen X guy so many guys in our dorm rooms in the 90s and shit everybody had that poster on their wall and I would always say to those guys why is this your favorite one did you not see the ending of the movie like <laughs> I mean, it's terrible. Like that's why I always lobbied for Goodfellas or Godfather, you know, because Scarface gets like depressing towards yeah. the end. It really, yeah. When you get to the part where he's like trying to fuck his sister, like that's he's that, in a that movie gets dep- like depressing yeah. towards the end. It's sure the does. first kind of half of it's cool. Well, and he kills it's his best like friend. It's a, a new road car? trip movie. Solo cream puff. <laughs> <laughs> He kills his best friend, too, for sleeping with his sister. Like, yeah. his right-hand man. It's like you're Stephen Bauer. And you're like, what are you doing? Like, you go from kind of rooting for him to towards the end of Scarface. I'm just like, yeah, kill this motherfucker. Like, yeah. he's done. Well, isn't that the story? Yeah, <laughs> but I always amazed that, you know, all these guys put that movie on the platform as this the best gangster movie ever. And I'm like, did you not see the ending? Like, that's why I like Goodfellas more. Henry Hill lives. Yes, he's a rat. Yeah. But he lives. I mean, and then, you know, at the end of The Godfathers, you know, we got Michael Corleone, you know, running shit through all three movies. Like, so I like that. And they didn't want him in there either. No. Fact. Al Pacino. You prefer a, a, a happier ending to a gangster I, film? I, yeah, after all that violence, I need some kind of ray of light at the end of it. I mean, well, that's where my blue heaven comes in. <laughs> did you watch when they did the live uh, uh, unveiling of Al Capone's vault? Yeah, that was terrible. Uh, Geraldo Rivera's greatest <laughs> yeah. embarrassment. Yeah. What did they find in there? <laughs> some lamb skin condoms or some shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was great TV back then. Everybody watched the same time because they're all they fascinated. Like, Ten like years in the eighties. Oh, that this long was ago? way back in the eighties. Yeah, was it the eighties? It was or? early on in his career. Yeah, and he just looked like a. It fool. was like a live TV thing, yeah. and they'd found the vault, and that was there. And then there's nothing in it. <laughs> so good. Do you have the soundtrack, or I guess you just stream it, huh? Is that like a double LP soundtrack, I wonder, with all the There's just music? The one that I saw was just, you know, a normal 12-song one or whatever. But does it they, actually have the pop songs, or is it more like the cinematic score? I'd have score? to go back kind and look at it. Everything. It's kind of a mix, yeah. But, yeah, if you had the actual 
soundtrack that included all the songs. It'd be 40 plus songs. And now a lot of movies don't commit to something like that because that gets expensive. Yeah. I'm fascinated by all the use of I all bet, of those songs. I and, bet it's more expensive now than it was then. Right. Like oh, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe you it could was do more a 44 song soundtrack now. No way. With historical songs. You'd be buried. Yeah. I like that whole era of girl groups, though. Oh, like yeah. The yeah. and the Crystals. That's just that time in the 50s. I love the, and, the wall of sound. That yeah. Phil Spector wall of sound. That's such Darling great love, music. Christmas. All of it. Please Baby Come Home. That's in there during the Christmas oh, scene. Oh, yeah. Phil Spector produced. I that's my favorite Christmas song. Yeah, even there, it's delivering on the Christmas level. It's just We're, I still play that that stuff. That's like my Christmas music. I want to go home. to the Copacabana. There's a Copacabana, right? Is that where? Yeah, is that where uh, Ricky plays too? Didn't he play at the Copacabana? Oh, that I don't know. For my love, Lucy. Yo, I think he got his the... start there. Yeah. It's I wish that... we had places like that still. I guess it's kind of maybe in Vegas somewhere, but like that kind of nightlife, you know. People don't get dressed Dinner up like that anymore. And... No, 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 people don't get dressed up anymore. And the style in this movie, I mean, it's not so just good. Leota. Yeah, it's not just Leota. Everybody looks rad as hell in this movie, dude. Even Lorraine Bracco. Like, Maybe. that's a whole nother, like, conversation. It's the wardrobe. Yeah. How is this not nominated for the costume design? It wasn't. Burrs, everything. Yeah, it's all incredible. Even the tacky outfits that the ladies are wearing when they're that having their meetings. That hilarious, and they all have the, the blue eyeshadow. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, and yeah. They, what does she say in the narration? Like basically, they they just nobody styles them or the clothing, and they looked just, abused. Yeah. And, <laughs> you tell Jimmy to keep his yeah. fucking hands <laughs> off me. They looked <laughs> ridden hard and put away wet. <laughs> it's so good, but you know what? What's so funny about that is those outfits took effort. Those, yeah, those pantsuits. Those pantsuits. Yeah, <laughs> it's tacky as they look. That costume designer went through some effort to make those women look that way. Like. You got to appreciate that. I mean, and you could find a lot of that stuff. Like you could find some of that stuff more often. Like when, when I was living down in this area, like Amvets, you could find a lot more of those, those jackets and stuff. But now it's like, it's like early nineties clothes are in there. Isn't that weird? Like that's like I went in there. Like, so think about a little while ago looking for like Ray Liotta's jacket. Right. We went and looked for clothes from the 60s and 50s. Now kids are going and looking for clothes from the 90s and 2000s. Early 2000s, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, man. Do you have Genco jeans? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh. The other thing that this movie successfully pulls off is the voiceover dialogue. That's tough because that, that can run a lot of movies into the ground. And Leota's doing most of it through the movie, yeah. although Lorraine Bracco does jump yeah. in for a little bit like in the yeah the scene during the wooing stage of the film but that you know Ferris Bueller pulls it off magnificently but yeah. not every movie could pull that off that's pretty tough and and he never looks at the camera until right at the end when yeah. he comes up Breaks off the, the jury wall. booth the, and yeah. the judges yeah. stand yeah one of the best films with narration a christmas story true that's a classic you know another weird one uh Tutti Cicero Polly's brother that oh, yeah. guy, Frank DeLeo. The, oh, that the ran actor. The, the pizza place. Yeah, that oh. actor. That's Michael Jackson's manager. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah, in real life. He, he, he got fired by him for embezzling or whatever, of course. But um, little life meeting art there. But uh, They sure. were involved in the music business a yeah. lot. Yeah, and Sheryl Crow had actually, because she was a backup singer for Michael Jackson, she had some 
tough interactions with Frank DeLeo, and she said he was not a good person. Hmm. The the guy that played Tootie. Sure. But uh, they yeah. were involved with a lot of movies, like movie production. Yeah. Um, well, the God, like the Godfather, the Godfather almost didn't get made until the Columbo family. Like, yeah, <laughs> they didn't want that to get made. Yeah. The Godfather in their neighborhood. Sure, sure. Like if that's their neighborhood and they're the family running it, like no, yeah. you're not. <laughs> they didn't want to be portrayed. For yeah. You. yeah, you're telling our story. We don't. <laughs> we yeah, they exist in the shadows, man. Yeah. And then there was a HBO film about the making of The Godfather. It was like a movie about it's. I forget the guy's character that plays. He's a newer character or newer actor, but it was really good. Like yeah. how they almost didn't get it off the ground, and this guy had to go to bat with. Joe Colombo, sure. this mafia boss, and can you imagine back then? I mean, that'd be a real thing. Have, have yeah. a meeting with these guys, a sit down, yeah. if you yeah, will. Is, <laughs> is there any of the other gangster movies that you love that you like, like stuff like King of New York or New Jack City or American Gangster? Any oh, like of that? a different form. Yeah, it's, of... a, it's still gangster movies. They're just you know, yeah. they're, they're more African American influence, of course, but. You know, those are gangster films in New York City, too, and those are pretty New great, Jack too. New Jack City's heavy. That's Dude, a good one. That's New a really City. good Love New Jack City. And L.A. thing, Colors, man. Those two films. Uh, um, I like some of that early 70s. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Frank Lucas. Like, when they started really building the heroin trade uh -huh. out of Harlem. Yeah. Uh, American Gangster. Yeah. Yeah. Some of that stuff's pretty interesting. Or Hoodlum or... Yeah. That's a nasty scene when they, like, walk in and like everyone's naked like packaging heroin it's like my god well you got you got american me also you, you know from out here yeah. the more of a mafia thing out here the mexican mafia you know american me and uh blood in blood out i mean oh yeah some great great more ethnic not italian american gangster films but other ethnic yeah. gangster films like and they're all terrific i love all those films and there's some good like irish gangster films sure like that crew the westies that were like kind of part like did battle with the mafia in new york and but are also kind of under the gambino's umbrella those guys were nuts the westies yeah they were crazy you had some guest appearances too uh robbie darren performed as bobby darren yeah uh well, in the copacabana well, oh i think it's bobby robbie vinton playing bobby vinton is that what it Robbie, is? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and Bobby Darren's uh, somewhere at the sea is playing. I think when they're at the the pool or whatever. When right, right, right. You know, at the country club or whatever. And then somebody else is playing themselves as a singer. I think Jerry Vale. Yeah, yeah, Jerry Vale. Somebody like that. Yeah, and then Henny Youngman plays yeah, Henny, Henny Youngman. Youngman. That's pretty they, they had to do so. They had to do that Copa walk eight times, and they say that one of the takes was perfect and they got all the way to the end and henry's supposed to do his take my wife please line or whatever and he flubbed it uh, oh, and everybody man. just you know everybody just wanted to kill him because it was you know it's such a precision scene and to get all the way to that very end and the guy couldn't nail his line it's like damn you and oh, then yeah. you were saying vincent gallo was in it he's got a background yeah he's, yeah I which think, i never picked up on I, yeah i looked for him last night when i watched it again and i couldn't find him he's supposedly one of henry's henchmen so I assume he's in one of the robbery scenes or something, but I didn't, you know, I wasn't able to spot him, but. Uh, you never know who's going to show up in the credits of a movie. Yeah. You might just l watch and look. What was the actress that was his third mistress that was uh, processing the cocaine for that him? That was Debbie Mazar. Yeah. Yeah. She was like a Madonna girlfriend, you know, friend. 
at the time. They, she was having her moment right there. Yeah, she's in other films yeah. too, though. She's Debbie Mazar and Aliana Douglas. She looked Douglas. like she could play like bass in The Runaways. She's yeah. got that look yeah, about exactly. her. Yeah, yeah totally. Kind of, agree, kind of like agree. a punk sort of yep. Joan Jett. Yeah. Yep, mafioso wife. <laughs> mafioso wife with some big she, ass hair. She has that great accent too. Like, yeah, yeah. It seems like uh, I wonder if anybody had to fake those accents in that film. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, <laughs> not I, don't, I don't think so. I mean, they cast it that well, right? I mean, there wasn't yeah. a stretch for a lot of these actors. No. I think they were. And Scorsese himself had grown up in that. I mean, those yeah. those scenes are set in the neighborhoods that he grew up in. I mean, I mean, Scott has a little vernacular like that, being from New Jersey. I can you can hear some it of this. It comes in out, him, you, you know? know, when you get angry, you talk about food or talk about pizza. <laughs> Did you ever whack a guy? <laughs> <laughs> I've never whacked a guy. No, <laughs> not like that. <laughs> I didn't say whack off. <laughs> oh. On that note, Scott, we're excited for uh, for new uh, experiences with anything you're offering. We don't know much. I mean, maybe a Lucy's Fur Coat show. Would there would there ever be a possibility of, of music? You guys recording again? Uh, recording? I don't know. I mean, I I have a couple things like I've like written that might might work, might bring to the table. As far as another show, I don't like. I said I got to plead the fifth on that, but I hear things. Mr. 77 is the project we're focused on right now, right? Yes. Yeah, so just we put out an album. Yeah. So you can get it on all online platforms. We have vinyl coming out soon. Um, and I think we're doing a vinyl release at Tower Bar on November 25th. I shouldn't say, I think. I think we you are. just played the, here for <laughs> Halloween, right? Too. Yeah. We played in back here. Nice. Uh, we got a surprise, another surprise for the Tower Bar. I love it. And then uh, this is a meeting of members of Lucy's Fur Coat and No Knife. And Yeah, so Jesse from Shake Before Us. Yep. He plays guitar. Tony from Lucy's plays guitar. Brian from No Knife. And our good friend Jeff sings. Mr. 77. What's the name of the album? Can't Stop. And is it out on Bandcamp and all that? Yeah, Bandcamp, uh, Spotify. I, I think everything. Sure. Yeah. All that it. junk. All that junk. <laughs> Delicious rigatoni. Cappuccinos and garlic bread. Thank you so much for that hospitality. We're oh, supposed thanks to for having that me. To you. I had a blast. Say hi to your lovely family. I, I miss your girlfriend. We used to work together a long yeah, time ago. You guys that was met how, at Small Bar. Yeah, originally. that was how I got to know you back in the day. And, and she's awesome. And you have some beautiful children. And you still have the Great Dane? No, she passed. She passed. Oh. Yeah, she was about nine. A little yeah. thyroid cancer. She was awesome, though. Yeah, she was beautiful. We named our coffee company after. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Dogs make our lives better. They do. I have four of them. There you <laughs> go. Yeah. Oh, wow. A golden doodle, a pug, a wiener dog, and a chihuahua. But no kids. Oh, you got like the whole gang. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's almost a year ago. Well, by the time this airs, it'll be a year that this golden doodle showed up at our house. And we had Humane Society come and collect it. Uh, no chip, no collar. And so we said, put a hold on it. And they shaved it and neutered it because it had dreads, basically. Oh, wow. That's our, that's our newest addition. Fozzie, he looks like Fozzie Bear to me. I like Fozzie Bear. He was one of the, no, not right now. Uh, we kids. got a yeah, Carmine and Luca. <laughs> Carmine, I love it. Yeah, and Luca. They're <laughs> Future gangsters of America. <laughs> Forget about it. Uh, you do buy them fedoras. <laughs> yeah, I've seen your pictures. They like fedoras actually. I love it. Well, check out Mister Seventy Seven. Support their new release. Thank you, Scott, for everything. Yeah, and totally. And picking a great film. Part of the fun of doing this really is even 
Yeah, I'll admit I haven't seen a film. There's no problem in that. Uh, I know it's shocking sometimes when it's something as significant and seminal as this. But uh, thanks for getting me to watch it with purpose. Yes, that's always fun. It it, it is View enjoyable purpose. to watch these movies <laughs> with purpose on occasion. Not that I wouldn't enjoy it without it, but it is really enjoyable. Thank you as well, Graham. Oh, I love doing this one. It's one of my ten favorite ever. And uh, of all the films, nicely, I you know appreciate the Blu-rays. Get the Blu-rays. Some of these documentaries are uh, pretty informative. And that's it. Anything else, Scott? What's uh, what's next for you? Anything exciting? I gotta you go pick up Tony my son at school. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there safe. Graham, always a pleasure, man. Thank you. Thank you. This has been Soundcheck Flicks. I'm looking at a camera that's not there. Tell your friends about the show and go watch Goodfellas if you haven't seen it. Cheers. Hey, SCF fans, it's producer Eric. Come down the river with the boys as they check out Apocalypse Now. Tune in to see who our special guest is.